Well, uh, good, good morning. Um, I, would, uh, I would be remiss to not start by saying thank you. Uh, thank you for, for having us. Um, man, we, uh, we got to spend some time with, with your pastor and, and, uh, and some folks here, and we have thoroughly enjoyed our time. Uh, we have been, uh, we've been spoiled by you guys, and so um, it truly means the world to us, you guys having us in, taking care of us, um, and having us here to, to share the work with you. Um, I'm sure you're looking at your handout and you are thinking that this guy is crazy that he's going to get through all of this uh, in this short amount of time. I, I know my wife's looking at me and I know she's thinking that. And she's right. You guys are right. I am crazy. I'm nuts. But, uh, but what I want to do today, real quickly, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in uh, to kind of what I want, want to, to share with you guys today. And I want to break it up in just a couple different sections, but we're actually going to merge the two together. So I'm going to start by, uh, by giving you guys just a quick ministry update. Okay, so, uh, so Pastor Jay mentioned that we've been on the field uh, for six months, and I'm going to just kind of show you guys a, a little bit about that, all right? And uh, I'll explain just more, more about that in a minute, but I also wanted to explain specifically how, all right? So we, we talk a little bit about why and, and where and all of that stuff in the, in the ministry update, but I think the, the most important thing um, is, is how. How are you guys going to get done what you say you've, uh, you've been called of God to do? And the coolest part about this is, what we've been able to do is, as Pastor Jay mentioned, we've simply just been able to pick up what we were doing at Wildwood and just change zip codes. Just, we, we moved a little, a little bit away, just 3,994 miles. But, you know, we just picked up right where we left off, and we're going to show you guys, through God's word, how we're going to do that. And how we are, uh, hopefully, going to be able to see you guys do that here in your zip code here in Huntsville, okay? And so the first thing I want to do is just share quickly, all right? So I wish I had more time for this, but um, I do, you know, think we should open God's word and, and, and talk and you know, let him talk, you know, through his word. And so quickly, for about 10 to 15 minutes, I just want to um, show you guys ministry in Ireland, all right? And so uh, ministry uh, in Ireland is awesome. It's wonderful, it's amazing, and it's beautiful, all right? And so I put together just a, a, a quick slideshow for you guys, and I believe they're going to play that for you just on a loop. So it's beautiful. I want you guys to see the beauty of Ireland, see the beauty of my young two-year-old son, Jack, and my wife, all right? And so you guys don't have to stare at me the entire time. Hopefully we can get the, the slides going here. And as I talk, as I share uh, some ministry updates, um, Feast your eyes kind of on what we got going there, okay? So the most important part of, of, of any plan is this, and I want you guys to remember this, especially if you're involved in ministry, and I'm sure if you are involved in any way, shape, or form, you have experienced this, but the most important part of any plan is planning for your plan to not go according to plan, all right? So men make plans, and God, sometimes he laughs at those plans, right? From the very get-go, we, we had to learn to be really flexible, all right? So if I were to to going to be here, if I were here in 2021, January of 2021, you would have heard that we essayed to go to Dublin, all right? So uh, we thought we were going to go uh, to Dublin, which is actually in the Republic of Ireland, the south, all right? However, just like he moved Paul from going to Asia, he moved him a little bit, you know, a little bit off course to what Paul wanted to do and changed his ministry. Likewise, he just moved us north, all right? So for various reasons over the course of the last um, course of the last year or so, through careful prayer, consideration, consultation, the Holy Spirit directed us actually north to uh, where we are now at in Belfast, Belfast, Northern Ireland. And you're going to see some pictures of 
our neighborhood. You're going to see some pictures of where we live, where, uh, where we started so, some ministry opportunities. You're going to see some. What I tried to do is actually separate out life and ministry. But what I, what I figured out was how we operate and how we do that. There is no separating life and ministry because everyone is involved. So you see a lot of pictures of our little two-year-old or our little, yeah, he's close to being two, and, and us together as a family because we do ministry together. This isn't a one-man show where, where Eric's out slaving away for 18 hours a day and mom sits at home and, you know, takes care of the kids. We do this together. Our son is involved in this. Now, does he know that? Not yet, but he's getting there. And just around the corner, he's going to start to see some purpose behind why he goes and, uh, and hangs out with his little buddies and why mom and dad join him and talk to his parents and all of that stuff, all right? Um, and so that's kind of how we, uh, that's kind of how we do uh, some of the things that we do, and you kind of hopefully are getting a picture uh, of some of what our life looks like. You see the beauty, again, of the, the buildings of our neighborhood, and you'll see not necessarily where we live, but in just a minute, you're going to see some of the beauty of the entire country, all right? So again, like I mentioned, we, we plan to go to Dublin, but God moved us just a, a little bit north, and, and the hardest part of that was it wasn't until about two months before we were supposed to leave for Dublin that we, we, we made the change. Uh, COVID uh, was a really big influence in that decision, also cost of living, and just a variety of other things. And so we had about two months uh, to, again... It, our, uh, Belfast, excuse me, is in Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland and Ireland are two separate countries. Um, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. So they are governed by the United Kingdom. And they are also governed by their own parliament. How does that work? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to figure that out because it's a weird system. It kind of operates almost like its own state is how I, is how I kind of reckon it, uh, answering to the federal government in some regards. And so in May of 2020, 2021, we set out for Belfast, and having never visited the country and not knowing a soul, all right? We knew we could stay in the country for six months, so I'm going to start with what we knew, all right? We knew very little, and we knew we could stay in the country for six months, and so while we were there, we hoped to accomplish three things, and this is the, the kind of the update where we're at that I wanna, wanted to give you guys today, and, and those three things are, are number one, we had to find a place to base our ministry, Okay? So we had to find a place to live, also a place where we felt like we could put the epicenter of what we wanted to start. And, and, uh, and I want to be clear that ministry for us means planting a church, all right? We want to plant a church, and we want to grow that church. And that church, if God, if God prospers, that church is going to plant other churches, um, hopefully in the Celtic Isles somewhere. All right, so that was goal number one. And then number two, we needed to find a way to stay long term. Right? So we were there to try to figure out, again, how we were going to be able to move there over the course of the coming years, decades, we, we plan to be there. And then number three, we had to figure out how to begin ministry in a brand new city. All right? So number one, we had to figure out where we were going to be. And we found God working and moving in our community along the Ormo Road, which you saw a sign for the Ormo Road in our neighborhood there. The area has a main thoroughfare of business. It has restaurants that we're able to frequent. Um, Foot traffic, work area in the area, excuse me, is extremely high, and it's surrounded by neighborhoods, right? So down the main thoroughfare, if you look down the streets as you walk down, you see communities and neighborhoods, you see homes, apartments of all different ages and, and, and communities of people. And so um, what we did was we kind of, we prayed about it, we asked God to move, and, and, and we, we decided to start 
right there off of the Ormo Road. And we had a, an Airbnb for the first three months, all right? So before we left, we were able to procure just a, a three-month Airbnb. But after that, we were trusting God to provide a permanent place of residence in the area. And let me tell you something, man, did we certainly have to trust God uh, during that process, all right? Real estate market's crazy over there. We didn't realize how crazy it was. It was uh, something new that we had never experienced before. And so it came to a point where we had about seven more days to find a place to live. And to be quite honest, we had no prospects. About seven days from either being in a hotel for the forecoming future or uh, homeless. But praise the Lord, he provided. And not only did he provide, but he provided over and above all that we could ask or think. He just made us earn this one. Just a few days before not having a place to live, we found a smaller real estate agent. And if I could tell you the story leading up to God's provision of just a simple home for us, it would blow your mind. It's one of those missionary stories that you're convinced the guy is making it up maybe or something. But I, the story that I could tell, I cannot make it up. It was simply God working um, as we simply begged him uh, for a place to live. And we found a smaller agent who was willing to work with us. Um, he was willing to work with our international status. He had sympathy for our story, and he found us a place that's not only big enough for our family. Now, spaces over there are cramped. They're tiny. They're small. Um, but it wasn't only big enough for us, but we're actually able to host Bible studies in there. So it's got room for us to have families, uh, which was a big deal, a uh, big, big deal for us. And nothing that I did, nothing that, that our family did except get out of God's way and let him work and move. Uh, that was the only way that we were able to uh, uh, have the house that, that he provided for us. And so, um, only because of God, we were able to accomplish goal number one. And in the coming year, we actually are looking. When I get back, so we leave Friday. When I get back, that first week I'm back, I'm actually looking at a church building, which is just down the road. So if you want to pray for something, pray for uh, this building right off of the Ormo Road. It's an older, it's an older church building that's uh, being sold. And we think that God is um, possibly, possibly moving us to, to purchase that building and start, start some serious ministry opportunities with a, a church um, in the coming year. So number two, uh, number two was finding a way to stay long term, right? And so if finding a home and center for ministry proved difficult, certainly finding a way to stay permanently in the country proved to be what seemed impossible. And fortunately for us, though, we believe God when he says in his word, for with God, nothing is impossible. Friends, I, I want to encourage you guys with something that was encouraging to me. As long as God's presence is found in your life and ministry, you can do hard, seemingly impossible things. For the last six months, every day of our lives, man, I'm just going to be honest with you, seemed really hard. Right? There was something new every day. Learning a new culture. Not learning a new language, but learning a new dialect of that language, right? Um, all different sorts of stuff came up, and, and without God, man, we would have been between a rock and a hard place. We would have been unable to do anything. And that, that is key, though. There is a key. For, for, without, for with God, nothing is impossible. The key is God's presence in our life and in our ministry. And so we simply went to, went to God again. We went to God because... The process of finding a, a, a visa that we needed requires a lot more, again, than we realized. And it normally takes anywhere from one to one and a half years to complete the process is what we, what we were starting to see. They certainly do make it difficult to, to legally obtain entrance into the United Kingdom. I don't know if you've done any research into this, but it is extremely difficult. All right? 
Upon arrival, we, we, we quickly realized, again, I, there's, there's not much I can do to get this done in the time frame that we need. And so we, we simply got on our knees. And I'm quickly just going to give you uh, just a brief, brief synopsis of kind of what, what has to happen and what God did for us. So you have to find somebody that's willing to sponsor you through a business. That person then has to offer you a job at a certain salary. Then you have to go back home and apply for the, the visa in your home. You have to send away your passports and documents. Then the, we heard for anywhere it can take anywhere when they get the documents, it can take anywhere from a month to a year to hear back from those. And so we got busy. We got busy praying, and we did actually get out and, and started, started working. We started uh, seeing what God would do, and we started applying for, for jobs. We started applying for, for volunteer positions. And uh, again, you saw me more than likely, or you're about ready to see me, working behind the counter of a small coffee shop. So one day I was at the beach, right? And by the way, the beaches in Ireland aren't the same as the beaches here uh, in Florida. But I was at the beach, and all I wanted was a coffee. I was, it's cold at the beaches in Ireland, by the way. So I went down the road, and I found a guy that had stayed an, open an hour later than normal. I walked in to the store. I grabbed a coffee, and I saw he was wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. So I started talking to him, right? Started trying to build a relationship, which you're going to need to remember that for, for later purposes today, okay? I started trying to build a relationship with a guy who I instantly connected with. I love baseball. I'm a Reds fan. I'm not a Red Sox fan. But nonetheless, we got to talking about, you know, about baseball and American football. And uh, again, I do not have time to tell the entire story, but the man wound up offering me a job right away. Now, the problem with that is, is it did me no good because I needed him to, first of all, be registered with the government. I needed him to offer me a specific certificate with a certain number and a certain salary and all of this stuff. So over the course of the next three months, so I had three months left in Ireland, I continued meeting with him. I started actually doing some work for him, which you will see a picture of me uh, serving, serving coffee. Uh, I was scrubbing toilets, doing dishes, like whatever he needed. But over the course of the next three months, I was able to, we were able to get him registered. He was able to offer me a certificate of sponsorship. And we were able to come home in mid-November, and I was actually able to send in our documents to the government. And then five business days later, this is a minor miracle. Like five business days later after the government, the United States government received documents, didn't lose them, right? They actually got back with us and approved our visa. And so from start to finish, four months, and we head back Friday, and we are, we are absolutely ecstatic. Don't get me wrong, I love being here. I love seeing your faces. I love seeing my family and friends, but it's not where I'm supposed to be, right? And Belfast is certainly calling us, and we can't wait to get back. And so, by God's grace, by his mercy, by his miraculous provision, he accomplished number two. And we are now able to go back with a, a visa in hand. Um, and permanent residence uh, right around the corner. And so we are thanking him for that. This now leads us to number three, all right? These are some, some actually uh, some really cool pictures of the culture, cultural items, some of the humor up there. Um, and so enjoy the rest of the slideshow as we start moving into the third process, the third thing that we wanted to accomplish. And this was our main goal, right? This was what we really had been praying about, preparing for for, for years, at this point, and this was number three, starting ministry, right? How do you start a ministry in a country that you've never been? You don't know a soul. 
You don't know what the culture is like. You don't know what the community's like. Man, before you even step on the ground, you don't even know where you're going to be. What does that look like? How does it happen? Well, what we found was we had been preparing for this all along. All right, our church had, had started a, a ministry, and we call it phalanx, all right? Um, it's just simply evangelism, personal evangelism um, for anyone that is willing to, to be involved in what we found to be the biblical blueprint of evangelism, all right? And so that is actually what I want you guys, I want to start um, getting into God's word in regards to, because what I want to talk about today is how we started ministry, and how I think ministry is, is, is going to be seen going forward. How it can be done here just like it is in Belfast. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. It's kind of a weird place to start when it comes to evangelism. But I'm going to turn you guys to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verse 10. Now I have a lot of scripture. And I have a lot to get through as I mentioned earlier. A lot of the times what I'm going to do is I have the scripture reference on your handout for you. I'm going to mention the scripture reference. I'm going to read a verse. But I unfortunately don't have time to have you guys turn to every single one. But if you are interested in each of the Bible verses, as I would hope you are interested in those. Because each of these comes from a biblical directive, a biblical guidance, specifically in 1 Corinthians and Acts chapter 8. You're welcome to take this home and do some more study and research. Uh, on it for yourselves, right? But let's read verses 10 through 13. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Paulus, I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And this is where I want to stop and, and, and start the discussion of how we go about doing ministry and how, again, I think we can start seeing personal evangelism lived out in the lives uh, of, of individuals in our churches today. These words of Paul are penned in frustration, okay? He's frustrated at this early church because of open sin, false doctrine, schism in the body, gross immorality, a misunderstanding and misuse of gifts, and a myriad of other issues of carnality in this local church. This church is messed up, right? It's got some serious problems. But, but what is so fascinating, actually, is how does Paul go about addressing it? This is chapter 1, where he's addressing the majority of these issues. How does he go about addressing it? And we see that in verses 10 and 11. Now, I beseech you, brethren. He's begging the brethren, right? I beseech you, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You see, Paul addresses these issues of carnality, and I would submit that a lack of, a serious lack of personal evangelism in churches today is indeed an issue of carnality. He does so by focusing the opening chapters of his epistle on the issue of unity and the importance of healthy biblical relationships. We just mentioned the majority of the sin that was going on, right? And I mean, friends, this church had it all, and not in a good way. And Paul strips it all away. He gets down to the nitty-gritty. He gets to the root of the problem in this church by informing him that the real issue of everything that was going on was 
was that they did not know how to build biblical relationships. And without scripture, man would never have guessed this as the genesis of the carnality that ruled this New Testament church. And when you begin to kind of let that sink in, how Paul addresses the root, the real issue of unity and biblical relationships, you have to ask yourself, how could this be? And, and what else could be the answer other than this? And this is, you'll find this on your handout. Paul understood something. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, through the preservation of God's word, what he does is he, he shows you something that he wants you to understand. And that is Satan's attack on the church was going to be to render it irrelevant through cultural ignorance and social incompetence. Divisions, schism, disunity. This manifests itself in two ways. An, in, an inability to get along with each other, with one another, as the Bible puts it. Or B, an inability or clumsiness in getting to know new people. Do some life inventory. I don't care your age. I don't care your job. Do some thinking with me here. Can you get along with others? Can you get along with each other? And can you get to know new people in a normal, natural, easygoing way? Practically speaking, our ability to win the lost comes down to our spirit-filled aptitude in getting along with our closest relationships in your family and in your local church, all while displaying the wisdom and power of God in your capacity to meet new people. Can you do these? Can you do these two things, and can you do them both with excellency and consistency? Our culture, it loves to boast about its sympathy, its empathy, its compassion, its psychology, its education, its enlightenment, and its ever-progressive nature. But for all that talk, the world and the culture around us will concede this one point. They do not know how to make human relationships work. Have you turned on the news? I mean, shoot, you can even turn on SportsCenter, and you can see people do not know how to interact. People do not know how to get along with each other. They'll tell you openly and often. And of course they can't, right? Of course this is never going to happen. Because only God can fulfill needs. Only God can fulfill desires. Only God can provide contentment. And it's only through God's presence that man can have right human relationships. You see, friends, please, please pay close attention. The secret, the secret that, that we know, that you know, is that biblical Christianity is what your boss, your coworker, your classmate, your waitress, your neighbor, it's what they actually need, right? What you, what you offer them through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through his word, is what your friends, your relationships, your family actually needs. If only someone, if only somebody somewhere would actually care enough about them to share that. You know what? I think, and I don't only think, I've seen with my own eyes, the world, they find that really, really attractive. They love that. So as we begin, I want to start by challenging you to consider your relationships. Now, as cute as that guy is, I am going to have you stop the slideshow, if you don't mind. 
As much as I know you guys want to see all that instead of this ugly mug, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Consider your relationships. This is where we start in a new culture, in a new city, in a new area that needs the presence of Christ. And I want to point you guys to some scripture really quickly. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? By whether or not you can argue about your liberty on Facebook and prove somebody wrong? No. Not even by your sound doctrine. Which is important, don't get me wrong. But people are going to know who you are based on if you have love one to another. Your church family. Your wife. The people that you claim to love the most. That's how this world knows who you are. And we're going to up the ante a little bit in John chapter 17 because I want you to pay close attention to what Christ says as he's praying in the garden. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. Human relationships, unity, dwelling peaceably, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. Why? Why? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Christ ups the ante. Our reputation isn't the only one at stake here. We see how the world judges the veracity of God's claims. Right? They get to judge whether or not Jesus Christ was truly God robed in human flesh. God gives them that ability according to this verse. And this decision is based on how you conduct yourself in your relationships. How I interact with my wife. How my son behaves. Folks, that right there is a big deal. Christ's reputation rests on you. If our co-workers, friends, and lost of our circles do not think that we are legitimate followers of God, and then they do not think that Jesus Christ was God, then we cannot win the lost world. Based on your relationships, all right? Do some inventory. Based on your relationships, based on how you talk about those relationships on Monday morning at work. Based on what you say about your church family. What view of Christ is the lost in your life getting? Based on what you say about your parents and homeroom, what view of Christianity do your friends at school get? We all know the passage on the great commandment, right? It's the most important thing we can do. It's on that that all the law and the prophets hang. And if we do this, we've done it all. It's to love God and love others. That's our foundational, personal relationship with God. It pushes us and allows us to have these key and critical relationships with man. If we cannot do this, there's no function of the Christian life that we cannot adequately do. Found in favor with God and man. Now, when you couple that great commission with the great commandment, found in the last part of Matthew chapter 8, which is to preach the gospel, to baptize those saved souls, to disciple them, teaching them to observe all that is written therein, and then you send them out to do the same, if we're going to put all that together, the outline of our Christian life is very simple. Let me make it very, very simple. How do you reach a community? How do you reach a new city? How do you move across the ocean and reach a new culture? Let me make it very simple for you. You'll find these words at the back of our church at Wildwood, and it's this. Love God, love people, save the world. 
love God, love people, save the world. Now, there's something very important that I want to point out before we advance any further, and that is who's missing from this formula. It's me, right? It's you. My life is Ted in Christ, remember? I'm buried. I'm crucified with him. Is that not the point of everything that we're doing? At the end of the day, the crux of our relationship with Christ and realizing that power he has given us lies in our ability to empty ourselves of our desires, our wants, our self. You see, it's God, it's others, it's the world. It's God, it's others, it's the world. That's it. You see, for years, what I did was I tried to insert myself into the equation, right? And I would pencil in God into my schedule. But what I noticed is when the relationships, when the time didn't suit me, that eraser came out almost every day. Why? Because I tried to insert myself where I didn't belong. Instead of getting out of his way, instead of loving people, instead of loving others, instead of loving God, I love myself. And it almost ruined, it almost ruined my life. You see, here's the reality of our life. If we are waiting for God or others or this world to be convenient or easy for us, we are never going to do what we were called to do. You have to understand that. If you want to reach Huntsville, Alabama, it's never going to be convenient for you. I promise you. I'm sorry. I wish I had better news. But it's not. It's not going to be easy to make relationships with people. It's almost, in today's culture, it's almost an unnatural thing, right? Nonetheless, nonetheless, it's how the Bible commands us to reach the lost. Friends, it goes like this, and without this order in your life, you will be unsuccessful in what you were left here to do. It goes God, it goes others, it goes the world. And this must be the origin of our understanding, okay? I know that was a long introduction. I know we've got a long way to go, but bear with me. We're going to power through it, all right? This is where we start. This is where we begin. This is how we begin ministry in Belfast. This is how I love to see churches reach the loss of their communities, whatever zip code that may be, all right? And this drives me to three specific things that I want to point out to you guys today. Three very practical things that allow us to build relationships. Build relationships specifically with the purpose of sharing the gospel with the lost, all right? We're going to start where Christ started. You see, because Christ had a name. Christ was known among the people. We see that in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 15 and verse 2 and Luke chapter 19. I'm just going to read one of those verses with you here. But we see Christ in his humanity in Luke, right? We see him not necessarily as the son of God, but as the son of man. He's presented in his humanity for a reason. And in his humanity, we see Christ with a name. The son of man is coming and eating and drinking. And ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You see, to this world, Christ was known. To men and women like you and me, Christ was known as something. He was known to the bypassed, the broken, the belittled, the poor, the blind, the naked, the forgotten, the beggar. You know who Christ is found with on this earth? He's found with the likes of you and me. Sinners. In need of God. As a man, Christ offered light into this world and his ability to be friends of sinners. And you know, I think the greatest way that we can offer light into the world today is to be friends 
of sinners. And so number one, all right, we got three F's for you. We got friend, we got faith, we got fellowship. Number one, friend. How do you meet new people in a city that you know nobody in? All right? You be really friendly. If you want a friend, you got to show yourself friendly. Right? You can't be a jerk. You can't be, be mean and rude all the time. I know it's easy. I know it's fun. I know it's culturally acceptable. But you got to be friendly. And you want to know something? Being friendly is really weird nowadays. But people gravitate to it. People love it. People love it. All right? And so I'm going to give you guys some, some very quickly some things that allow us to, to make friends. Number one is just be obedient. All right? Number one is be obedient. All of these passages are going to come from Acts chapter 8, all right? But I'm just going to simply read and, and, and mention just a couple of things from Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Be obedient. One of the most beautiful things about evangelism is what it takes to be biblically successful in it. The church has taken success and it's, it's attached its own definition. It refuses to use God's definition of success. Because the main push during the 21st century in personal evangelism is simply the conversion. However, as we step back and allow God to define success for us, I want to encourage you with something today. I want to encourage you with God's biblical definition of success, specifically when it comes to personal evangelism. To be obedient is to attempt evangelism. All right? To be obedient is to simply attempt. What was the command to Philip? Arise and go. The word of the Lord came to Philip saying, arise and go. No other commands are given. Just get up and go. Be obedient. And we see this time and time again in scripture, right? The word of the Lord comes and a man or woman either obeys or disobeys. And there are consequences for both. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. God wants Joshua, he wants you to know that his simple yet crucial expectation of those wanting to move into a victorious Christian life is obedience to his simple commands to arise and go. If we are actively seeking to establish relationships for the purpose of winning friends, we are meeting God's expectation that he has set. We are actively obeying. You see, we do not determine our success on whether or not we win a soul. We are simply obedient in planting the seed and allowing the Holy Spirit to do his effectual work. We don't count conversions. We count conversations. How many people have you talked to? How many times have you tried? How many conversations? Christ-centered conversations. I can tell you how many Christ conversations I had in Belfast. I had 20 Christ conversations. I shared the gospel five times. Between Lacey and I and another team of individuals that came, we tried to earn our right to share our faith almost 200 times in group settings, one-on-one, two-on-one, activities, football groups, swim. We were just obedient. We just tried. We attempted. We live our life in a way that earns us that opportunity. And we'll come to see more of that in just a second because number two is be active. Number two is be active. Acts chapter 27, okay? The command came, arise and go. Verse 27 in Acts chapter 8, what did Philip do? Well, 
He arose and he went. It's pretty simple, folks. How did you know you were supposed to leave and, and be a missionary to, to Belfast? The call came to arise and go. Well, what did you do with that? Well, I prayed about it, yes, but guess what? May 2021 came, and I just arose and I went. And did you know every step of the way? Heck no. My plan failed all the time. But we got out of God's way, and we let him work. 20 Christ conversations later, five gospel opportunities later, we, we got something going. God's got something going over there, and we're excited about it. What you got going here? Right? What you got going in your workplace? How active are you in your community? We see a man of God who is active in his local church. Check out Acts chapter 6. He's a deacon. Right? He's active in his local church and God moves him to get up and go to one lost soul. Philip is active. He's found running to meet the chariot. Can I give you a very, very simple beginning to our strategy to win the loss and what I think could be a very simple strategy for you? Letter A, be actively engaging in opportunities to meet new people. Can I encourage you? Can I, can I beg you, beseech you to instead of going home after work and, and watching Netflix for eight hours, start a new hobby. Go out into the world and, and, and guess what? If you go out into the world, there's a lot of lost people in the world. I guarantee you, if, if you just get up and you rise and go, you're going to meet lost people. Learn a new sport. Learn how to cook. Take jujitsu classes. Do something that gets you opportunities to consistently meet new people. When we got to Ireland, immediately we looked into opportunities. Sports are a big thing over there. I play proper football. I'm not allowed to call it soccer over there. I play proper football three times a week. It's earned me opportunities. What is that? That's activity. Lacey goes to swim with our son. She sees the same ladies every week for 10 plus weeks. And guess what? She gets to talking to those ladies. She gets to invite them out for coffee. And they get to share their life story and start asking questions. What is that? That's a rising and going that's being active when it's a lot easier to just sit around and do nothing. That's what's easy, right? God didn't call us to easy. God called us to be active for him. Letter B, be actively engaging, excuse me, be actively developing relationships that God has already placed in your life. What we've come to discover is so often what we try to do is insert the Great Commission into our lives. Now, I want to be, I want you guys to hear what I'm about to say because this was important a life-changing understanding for me. I was trying to, to insert God's one thing that I was supposed to do on this earth. I was trying to add it into everything else I had going on. Right? And don't get me wrong. I was busy just like everybody else in here is busy. And I was trying to. When it suited me, when relationships were good for me, then I would maybe, if the other person was lucky, then maybe I would talk to him. That's not what God asked for you to do. That's not how ministry is done. That's not how you reach a community. You see, here's the reality. Here's the key. The Great Commission is to be your life. And if your life is super busy, guess what? You're ahead of the game. Because that same busyness that you've been complaining about for years now becomes how you fulfill the Great Commission in your life. You go to work for eight hours a day, right? Or you used to. Some of us still go into the office. You're there eight hours a day. What are you doing while you're there? Well, I got t-ball and I got kids games after, the, after work. Okay. What are you doing while you're at the t-ball games? 
Who, are you talking to the parents? Are you asking them how their life is going? Are you investing in them? Because you claim to have what they need, right? You have access to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life. Yet when was the last time you told somebody about it? This is what our life is supposed to be about. Not when it's convenient or easy, but every day. Great commission relationships. You already have them in your life. I guarantee you, in your life, at school, at work, at the t-ball game, wherever you go, at the restaurant, at the grocery store, there are lost people that surround you. What are you doing with those opportunities? Number three, this leads me to number three. Be intentional. Somebody said this at dinner last night. They took my point. Be intentional. Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him. And he heard him. He runs to him. He almost misses him. Hopefully we're all beginning to see this idea of building relationships, making friends. It takes obedience and being active, yes. But not just act, being active for activity's sake. As we begin to understand our drive behind these relationships, we start to see that we must be intentional. And when a person understands the intentionality behind evangelism, what we begin to understand is that our once boring and lame, activity-filled life can now actually have purpose that we all long for. You wake up and you head to work with a purpose. And not just the purpose to make money. But man, that purpose that God has given every one of us in here, if you name the name of Jesus Christ. That is a life-changing understanding. That's a life-altering mindset to use what God has already placed in your life to win people around you. You must understand that what we're doing here, how we're reaching Belfast is not done by accident. Huntsville is not going to be reached by accident. You do not pick up a Bible, meander around the streets, and never engage with people in a really awkward and expect people to come up to you in the middle of the day saying, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Right? That just doesn't happen. If, you, if it's happened to you, and I've heard stories of that, it's certainly, okay, it's certainly not going to be consistent. Right? This isn't like, man, you get out in the field and you set up that buck in the crosshairs and then you, you get that one big buck, right? This is what people do. They get that one big buck and they mount it on the wall and it sits there for 20 years. And what you do is you strut around and everyone that comes into your house, you, go, you act like Jeremiah Johnson, right? Mightiest hunter in all the land. One in 20 years? You see, the question is, is that what Christ calls us to do? Right? Just doing this by accident? You see, our goal is John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. All right, I want to ask you a question. It's a question my pastor asked that challenged me. You look around the room. Look around the room, and who is here? Who is here because you went out of your way to invest in their life, to care for their soul, to lead them to Christ, to put your arm around them and walk through discipleship with them? And they're here because of you. The unfortunate reality is a couple years ago at Wildwood, the only reason anybody was there because I picked them up for, for church on Sunday morning. It wasn't because I invested in them. It wasn't because I was intentional and established a, a relationship, hoping to earn an opportunity. Always abounding, right? 
Preach the whole counsel of God. Bear fruit. Bear much fruit. Bear remaining fruit. You see, with Paul and with God, it's always extreme, right? Always to the nth degree. And, and oftentimes we treat that like it's a mistake in the Bible. Right? Is that a mistake? Was God wrong? No, man. So how do we do it? We make our life intentional. We be intentional with the Great Commission. You get active. You get obedient. You get intentional. Number four. Number four, you be investing. Number four, you be investing. I skipped some, I know. I see it out there. It's going to drive you guys crazy. It's going to drive you guys nuts. I, see, I'm setting it up. You've got to find me afterwards. I'll give you the blanks, all right? I'll give you the blanks. I'll give you the blanks afterwards. My wife looked at me. She's going crazy, too. So, Number four is be investing. Philip ran, meets the guy, and he asks him a question, right? Understandest thou what thou readest? Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip to teach him. Philip gets to the Ethiopian eunuch. And as we follow the sequence of events, it's important to note that Philip... The steps that Philip's takes as he begins to enter that chariot. He intentionally meets the Ethiopian eunuch. But what does he do when he gets in that chariot? He immediately starts investing in the other person, right? He immediately starts asking questions. Letter A. Letter A. You invest in others by paying attention to the details of their lives. Philip listens to his newfound relationship. And ask him a question based on what he hears. You invest by asking questions. Okay? How do you get to know new people? You ask questions. You see, we're not trying to just get to know them. We're not trying to build acquaintances here. We're trying to build relationships, right? How much do you know about your coworker that sits in the cubicle to your left? How much do you know about that friend at the gym? About that cashier that you see every day at the grocery store. About that waitress that always waits on your table at your favorite restaurant. Invest in them. Because here's the reality. If you cannot connect with somebody on a life level, then you cannot connect with somebody on a spiritual life level. This is what Christ does, right? John chapter 3, he uses the example of birth. John chapter 4, he uses water connected to the woman at the well. And he uses those things... To invest in them spiritually. Letter B, you invest in others by serving them where they are at. Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Okay? You serve them where they are at. You take what you've learned by listening and you use that information to serve others. You see, when we approach somebody in Belfast and we approach somebody... In our uh, personal evangelistic opportunities, we don't kick down the door, okay? We're waiting for doors of opportunity, for God-given directive doors of utterance. And so often in my early Christian life, I kick those doors down, and I ruin so many opportunities. Instead of listening to the other person and serving them and allowing them to open the chariot door and invite you in, right? This is how we approach people. We earn our right to share our faith. Put yourself in the other person's position and think how you would feel if somebody tried to jam it down your throat every day of your life, something that you didn't want to hear. Okay, this is how they feel. 
I think we can just be a tiny bit smarter about how we approach relationships and people in our life by investing and by serving others. This is always, okay, if you serve others, you're always going to get something. Doors of utterance always come in the form of a question provided by your relationship. How do I know I have a door of utterance? You're going to get a question. Hey, your kid is really well behaved. How in the world did that happen? Because my kid's a psychopath. Hey, you and your wife seem to really get along with each other, and you actually like hanging out with your wife. What gives, man? What is that? That's a question about a relationship with Jesus Christ that's transformed you and your marriage. Have you, have you walked through that door of utterance? What's your relationship with your wife look like? Does that door even creak open for you? Right? Everything you do, every decision you make, is a chance, it's an opportunity to win the loss. If your life is centered around great commission relationships. Number five, be selfish. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Be selfless. Be selfless, all right? Be selfless. If we are waiting for God, others in this world to be convenient, we are never going to do what we are called to do. Once this realization takes place in your life, you begin, your life begins to look completely different. Your free time looks different. What you do for fun looks different. What, how you spend your lunch break looks different. Guys, I love lifting weights. I hate running. You want to know something I did for a guy at work one time? He was telling me he likes to run. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at lunch, he would go out and, and run. Then he would go to lunch. So I started running with the dude. Guys, I'm running, man. And I'm hating every second of it. But, but. After running, we got to go to lunch, and I got a one-on-one -on -one opportunity. I had several gospel opportunities because I simply invested in the guy, was selfless with my time and with my life. Was Man, I really didn't want to be running. This is just one, one tiny thing. Look for opportunities to be selfless with your time and with your life, all right? My wife was exactly right. I am a lunatic for thinking I was going to get through all of this. But I'm going to quickly run through so you can have some blanks and you can have some scripture to go through to study this more on your own, okay? Number two is faith. We're doing this all for the opportunity to share our faith. And first step in that is being wise. Be wise about where you share your faith. Are there people around? May not always be the best opportunity. Maybe you can schedule a time alone at lunch. Maybe you can have that guy over for dinner. Just be mindful, just be wise about where you share. Number two, be wise about when you share. Don't rush the opportunity, okay? You know, you're leaving the t-ball game, you're leaving the baseball game, you're fumbling around with coolers and, and, and baseball bags, and the guy goes, hey, man, you're a kid. He's a great athlete, but, man, he's even kind of a better kid. Like, you've really done something well with that kid. What would you do? That's an opportunity. That's a question. But it's not necessarily the time or the place as you're fumbling, stuffing, sticking stuff in your truck to share what Christ has done for you and your relationship with your entire family, right? What you do is be wise about when. Hey, man, that's a great question. You know what? It wasn't easy, I'll tell you that. Do you like coffee? You know, do you like food? Come, come over. We'll have you over for dinner. I'd love that, man, your, your wife can meet my wife and... Your kids can meet my kids, and I'd love to share about, about what God's done in my life and why my kid is the way that he is. It's nothing I did, that's for sure. You're just, 
just being a little bit more careful, just being a little bit more mindful of the other person, of, of your investment in them. Be wise about when you share. Letter C, be wise about how you share. Your demeanor, your expression, your body language, your approach will be key to making sure you set yourself up for success. Maybe not, maybe, maybe don't spend 45 minutes joking, talking about the weather. You know, you do have to get to the crux of the matter, right? You do have to answer the question that they have. Number two, be ready. Be ready. 1 Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer. So the question always comes, how do I answer? If I get a question, then how do I answer? We always counsel this. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Hey, man, I had a terrible religious experience growing up. You know, I don't want anything to do with religion. Hey, man, I would love to tell you about my poor religious experience because I had a negative experience with religion too. I've used this in, in Belfast, right? I had a terrible experience with religion. Let me share my life story with you. Because here's the reality, okay? I want to give you the reality. The absolute strongest proof of who God is is your transformed life. You see, the lost doesn't have access to the Bible stories like you do, right? The Holy Spirit isn't there to teach it anyways. They may have access to it, but the Holy Spirit isn't there interacting and teaching it to them. So where do they go when they need comfort? Where do they go when they need help? See, you have scripture. They have nothing. They have nobody. Maybe, maybe they could come to you. And your transformed life, the power of the resurrection that you have been telling them abides in you. Maybe that will be the key. Maybe that will be what spurs them on to accept Christ as their personal savior. But man, you got to be prepared, right? You got to be ready. Excuse me. You got to be ready. And then number three. Number three, and I'll close with this. You got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. Be prepared for spiritual warfare. Be prepared for spiritual warfare. And then number three, excuse me, letter B, be pre-prayed. Okay? Be pre-prayed. Yes, I said that right. Be pre-prayed because prayer winds up being the most important thing. Prayer is the most important piece of this entire puzzle. Because without the presence of God, without God, ye can do nothing. But with God, with God, nothing is impossible. You see, Satan shows up at your meetings that you have, right? The reality is Satan is in your field. Mark chapter 4, right? You got thorny grass, you got thorny field, you got stony ground. You got Satan taking that seed that you've sown, taking that relationship that you've built, crumbling that seed, blowing it right back in your face. That's tough, man. That's hard. That's spiritual warfare. You ready for that? Are you ready for that? Because I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. You start doing this, you start making your life about the Great Commission, things are about to get weird. Because Satan hates what we're talking about right now. Especially when you bring prayer into the equation. Especially when you bring God in. Because Satan's going to be there. You're going to sit across from that guy you've been working six months to get alone in a chariot and to have an opportunity to invest and talk to him, share your faith with him. Guess who's sitting over there staring right at you? Satan. Satan is there. You had better make sure you got God right there beside you. You better make sure he's there because if he's not, if he's not, it doesn't matter what method you use, you're never going to success, successfully evangelize the lost, win a community, or win a new culture. God's presence 
has to be there. Number three, fellowship. All I'm going to say about fellowship, you bring them into the fellowship after you've shared your faith and they accept Christ. This is done at a local church level. This is done through the vehicle of local church ministry, often starting at discipleship that advances through biblical training. Friends, I want to encourage you. Pastor Jay, I'm sorry I went long. But I want to encourage you with one final thing. I want to encourage you to remember that first week, that first month after salvation. Remember that? Remember the good old days? As a great theologian, Paul McCartney said, get back. Get back. Get back to where you once belong. Right? Get back. Remember the good old days. Man, if you couldn't, you couldn't stop me from sharing my faith with anybody. Everything I did was revolving around, man, getting back to my first love. Sharing my faith with the lost, my next door neighbors, anyone that was around me. I encourage you guys, get back. Get back to where you once belong and share the gospel. Share your faith so you can earn that right. to share, or Make a friend so you can earn that right to share your faith and bring them into the fellowship. You can change your life, change your community, change Huntsville. Like hopefully God is working and moving through us in Belfast. Thank you guys for your time. Truly, truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, you need any blanks filled in, right? You'll find me in the back. I don't have a table because I'm a bad missionary. I don't have a table. But... You can find me in the back, and I'll be more than happy to talk to you guys, answer any questions you have. Thank you so much. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many 